I think it's safe to say everybody likes music. Remember back in the day, we used to have to play it off vinyl records. Remember those things? Put it on a turntable and put a tone arm down and it'd go round and round. And, I mean, talk about something that's a thing of the past. More LPs were sold last year since 1986. Whoa, you don't suppose I'm wrong about records, do you? That's Tim Barrett's, and he should know. He's been in the music business in Council Bluffs for over 40 years. You know, this sounds like a fun topic, so let's talk music today on Accidentally Historic. Back, 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 back. Step into our time machine. Real stories of real people. Some good, some bad, some very strange. And all accidentally historic. Welcome to Accidentally Historic, the podcast of the Historical Society of Pottawatomie County. Hi, I'm your host, Richard Warner, along with co-host Trudy Bino. Trudy and I had a great chat the other day with Tim Barrons. Tim is the owner of Canesville Collectibles at 530 South 4th Street in Council Bluffs. Tim's got a background in antiques, but the focus of his business is primarily music. Lots and lots and lots of records, as well as uh, CDs and tapes. He's also got a stock of video games and comic books in the shop as well. Tim, one thing I've been wondering about is there's no shortage of new music, yet it seems like the older songs are just as popular as ever. How do you account for that? It's just my opinion, but I, I think the music today is not very good, to put it bluntly. And uh, I just think that uh, there's a lot of uh, baby boomers out there that that's not into it. So hence, they listen to the old stuff. I listen to the old stuff. Too. Yeah, I still play things like Three Dog Night Chicago and yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Elton John, of course. Mm -hmm. yeah. I sold Three Dog Night album today, by the way. Oh. Yes. <laughs> be happy to know they're still around. Yeah, yeah. When we think of popular music, there's a tendency to think of the big bands like Elton John and Three Dog Night. But there was a lot of local talent out there as well. So do you stock any records from uh, regional and local artists? We have a box of local records from Omaha, uh, Iowa, Nebraska, maybe Kansas, Missouri, um, Minnesota. And yeah, we have, uh, I don't know, we probably have 50 or 75. These are 45s mostly. With the exception of the Rumbles, the Rumbles had an album, but it came out later with, uh, they just took their 45s and put them on there. There are uh, very, very few groups that uh, had albums, but they were mostly 45s. The Coachman. Trudy, maybe it's just the old disc jockey in me, but, you know, we can't really talk music without spinning some tunes. So if it's okay with you, let's just pull back from our interview with Tim for just a couple of moments and listen to a sample of a couple of things he was talking about. Well, I definitely remember The Coachman. That song got a lot of airplay on local radio stations. I think it charted in several markets across the country, not just Omaha. That would be 1966. What's another local group? The Chevrons. Okay. Uh... Oh, I remember the Chevrons. They had a big following in the mid-1960s. Had a couple of singles. One was Mine Forever, and I think the bigger one was Lover, I Love You.
But both of these bands, and I think several other local bands at the time, were regulars at a teen nightclub in Benson called Sandy's Escape. It was run by Sandy Jackson, Coil DJ, and being regulars at that club probably helped the popularity of these local bands. Then Council Bluffs, the old Liberty Theater, was turned into a teen club for a while. That'd be in uh, 1967. It was called the Psychedelic Wheel, and uh, I don't think it lasted very long. Were you guys ever there? To Psychedelic Wheel, my parents wouldn't let, yeah. let me go. Yeah, we were respectable people. Let me just play a couple of just short clips here. This is from an interview, a couple of interviews that we did for uh, our YouTube channel video, Silver Screens of the Bluffs. It talks about the Council Bluffs theaters. And these two guys give a brief insight as to uh, what the psychedelic wheel was like. There were some seats left, but it was mainly floor space. But it sloped, as all theaters did. People really liked them slanted floors and all them lights going on. Yeah, and of course, we, we all called it the psychedelic slot for some reason because all the greasers hung out in there. <laughs> That's good. When you walked into the theater park, on the wall to your right, there was this great big neon, like a spinning wheel thing. It was about three different colors of neon. It was just nothing like I'd seen before. It was the 60s. <laughs> I actually couldn't find much about the psychedelic wheel in the archives, but you know, some of the reviews I found, some of the articles suggested, actually did have a pretty good following, it seems like, among local teens. And sometimes they had some pretty big bands there, too. I found one review of the Box Tops performing there, and that would have been after they had that huge hit, The Letter. I think there was a couple of fellows involved in running the place, but the name that kept uh, coming up in the articles was Bobby Everhart. Bob Everhart, oh yeah. I know him. He did the country music festivals. He was with the Royal Flares. That was a local group too. He passed in the last year, but he was on Folkways, which is a pretty major label. And he had, I think, five albums. What's another local group? Jim Pike and the Kephart Rockets. That was Rockabilly called Grizzly Bear. And then... J.L. Pike, uh, who comes and sees me every time he's in town, uh, he did one, um, I think, in the early 80s that was a, a hit around here. And he is in Phoenix now, and he still performs. I think it's the eight-track band. C.W. McCall, Convoy, yes. The Smoke Ring would be another one. They didn't know not much. In fact, Mike Simrod, who's in charge of the Nebraska Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, is, was in that group. Owen Zager and Evans. That was the biggest one around here. And Mike tells the story of uh, he got drafted. It was 1969. He got drafted, and uh, right before he went into the service, he went over to his friend. They were the eccentrics, but they changed their name to Zager and Evans. And so he said, we have a new song we're going to play. So he, he got to hear the song. And then he went into boot camp and he got out six months later and he said when he got out, it had hit already and it was climbing up the charts. Oh. Zager and Evans yes. in the wow. year 2525, yes. Yeah. And they were in a group called the Eccentrics, or one of them was, I think Evans was. Since Tim threw out his Zager and Evans trivia here, allow me to toss out my little bit of in the year 2525 trivia. When the song came out originally, it was on a small local label, and then it was picked up and distributed nationally by a big label, RCA, I believe. To my ear, both versions of the song were identical, with one exception. When the song was released on the national label, they added trumpets right at the beginning. So, since I've been hanging on to the original copy of this record for over 50 years, just waiting to have some fun with this trivia, let's just take a listen to the beginning of both of those songs. The first version is the local version. Notice, 
no trumpets. And then the second is the national mix with trumpets. In the year 2525, if man is still alive, in the talk about some of your clientele well i have uh some strange and unusual but i also have famous people come in there that uh you know i just get customers that have been coming in for 20 years or 30 years and you know it's like cheers you go in there they know i know know their first name and and so forth and then also uh sometimes i get people in like well that's a three four three years ago maybe um Guy comes in and well, he kind of looks familiar, and I and he says, "Do you have any twenties and thirties music from movies?" I said, "Yeah, they're over there in a box over there," and I showed him where they were. And I thought to myself, "Man, he looks familiar." And I said, just on a whim, I said, uh, "You're not performing anywhere tonight, are you?" I said, "Yeah, at the Orpheum." I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> I was like, Michael Feinstein. Uh, he does standards, uh, Sinatra, and uh, beautiful voice. And been been out in a while because he still had out. Al- he has albums, so he's about. I think he's about our age. <clears throat> a couple of years ago, and you'll get a kick out of this because I know you listen to this guy. <laughs> uh, guy comes in. Uh, three people come in, and one guy, you know, dressed regular guy. And he says, uh, do you have any 78s? Yeah, I said, they're downstairs. And I go down, turn the lights on, and come show them where stuff's at. And he said, like, I'll just let you look and come up when you're done. You know, I go back upstairs, and the two people that were with him said, do you know who that is? I said, no. <laughs> it's Dr. Demento. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. So, Dr. Demento was in my store for, he stayed from 10 to, like, 3. And he was... He was downstairs and he was helping people find stuff. You know, it's just, he just, he actually is, a, he does have his degree in musicology, his doctorate degree. PhD. PhD. Dr. DeBento's wife was actually from Council Bluffs, right? And that's why they came back because she had passed right before he came, but they came back to celebrate his wife's mother's 90th birthday. So that's why he was back. I said, well, how did you find out about I've heard about this place. I said, well, you've been to Omaha before? Yeah. He said, I saw Hogden Etzel. They had Otis 12 and Diver Dan in the group. And the number one requested song for a long time on his show was Dead Puppies Aren't Much Fun. You remember that song? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Dead puppies aren't much fun. Dave Wingard advertises for you yes. on the radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been in there several times. We get still get DJs come in there that uh, I talk to. Not too many of them play vinyl anymore. Can you talk about uh, right around your cash register area, the pictures you have, including John, of course. Uh-huh. Which, yeah, you have some autographed pictures. I have autographed pictures. Uh, John Jackson slash Durbin, which was the class of 74 that was in The Shining and a bunch of other stuff is um, 
he was uh, grateful enough to come in and autograph it for me after we had it on the wall for 10 years at least. Uh, I kept bugging yeah, him. Kept bugging him. <laughs> and then uh, inside the front door, uh, we have musical artists that I have seen over the years that uh, there's some autographs there and some not. Some are fake, some not. Uh, my favorite one would be the Buddy Holly and the Crickets one, but that one's that one's fake. I can tell you that. The lady said she sent it away, sent away a postcard to get it autographed, and then she gave it to me. So unfortunately, I wish it was Buddy Holly because that's like one of my favorite people. So, how would you describe Canesville Collectibles to somebody who's never been there? Like, uh, what sort of reaction do you get from a first-time customer? Well, I can usually tell when it's their first time when they come in and their mouth drops open, like, <laughs> because they just can't believe there's that much stuff in there. But uh, usually we can tell you where to look if you're looking for a specific thing. The, the people that are just browsing uh, might have a little problem, and sometimes it's overwhelming to them and they can't, they have ADD or something like that. But uh we try and help them out, and a lot uh, a lot of times we can do that. We can help them. Now, you deal in used albums. So have you ever found anything interesting or unusual left behind in the record jackets uh, from the previous owners? Well, in albums, uh, I remember going to a garage sale once, uh, buying a box of records. And if you know what a record is that folds open in the middle, it's, it's uh, I, I opened it up, and it had a substantial amount of weed in it. <laughs> so... Uh, just weird stuff. And uh, another time I uh, I bought a, a VHS rewinder at a garage sale. And I was took it to the store, plugged it in, and tried to put my thing to rewind it in. And it was clogged up. Pulled it out, and there was a bag of weed in there. It, sometimes you just find stuff in there, pictures that you don't want to... Cards, I imagine. Cards. Uh, no, no pictures, but fo photographs that... Uh, uh, that I just said, oh, he don't want to know about this. Oh, just, undesirable you know, photos. Undesirable photos. Yeah. Yes. But, How about uh, cash? Not, not too much. Uh, maybe a few. Uh, I don't remember. Maybe a, a dollar or five in there every once in a while. But no, people do that in books more than records. Oh. I think. Now, Tim told us that not only have vinyl records not faded into oblivion, like eight tracks or real to real tapes, they're actually enjoying a growth in popularity. Well, it sounds a little better. People like the sound. You kind of lose something listening to it on a, a CD, whereas if you play a, uh, a record, it sounds better. There's more uh, more background, um, lows and highs. So I think that's why why it is, and it seems like to exploded. They more LPs were sold last year than CDs. I think they said last year. It sold the most, most records since 1986. Um, I've noticed that as uh, albums get more, more and more popular, the price keeps going up because uh, new ones now are like 25 bucks as opposed to when we were buying them, they were six to nine bucks maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't sell new ones, I just sell used ones. But also I've noticed that CDs, have almost down to nothing. You can hardly hardly sell those because new cars don't have CD players in them anymore. I have a 2017 uh, Chrysler Pacifica. When I bought it, I said, I want a CD player. Oh, they don't come in with CD players anymore. No, you have to use your phone. Well, that's one of the reasons that they don't sound well either because the 
the sound on the phone is not up to a standard on a, on an LP. So, what uh, special care does a uh, record require? Basically, you want to brush the dust off when you put it on. They come with brushes that you set on there and take it off. And then as long as you put it back in the sleeve and into the cover, when you're finished, that pretty well takes care of it. Should they be stored upright? They should be stored upright, yes, upright. That seems to work. Uh, Otherwise, they tend to to, uh, warp a little bit. Is there any treatment for that? There are machines you can buy to take warps out, so they're very expensive. But I think there's even a trick that you can put it in the oven and and uh, put it between two heavy uh, pieces of glass and and, uh, straighten out some uh, dish warps and so forth. What attracted you to your present building? I moved in there in 1985 in February from across the street. So I'm at uh, 534th Street now. I was catty-cornered across the street at 607 South Main and uh, didn't really know much about the building at that time. But over the years, as people have come in and told me about uh, stuff, just a couple of years ago, I had a elderly gentleman in his 80s come in he comes in looks around and he says well i haven't been in here in a while and i say well how long's it been said 1945 i said holy smokes and he said uh it, it was an implement store first and his parents owned the implement store and of course during world war ii they couldn't get any metal or things to make implements for farm machinery so he said that's when they closed. I think officially it was 46. But uh, and he told me where over here was where the farmers would come in and warm themselves. They had they didn't have gas stoves. They had wood-burning stoves. And uh, told me that the book, what is now the book room, was where they repaired tractors and so forth and so on. And then uh, also found out from my old plumber, Ernie McKinley, um, that uh, he... One of his first jobs, the WPA and the Depression, the works, I think it's Works Progress Administration or something. He said that one of the first jobs he had was they dug the basement out of that building, one wheelbarrow at a time. He said it kept him busy for a couple months, but there was 50 people working, you know. So uh, so that's how the basement came to be. And later on, it was, of course, a, a bar and before I moved in. Then it was a labor temple from 46 to, I think, about uh, 1970. It was a labor temple, AFL-CIO, and among other unions. During um, some quote-unquote labor unrest, when they were building the bank buildings up Maine and Broadway up here, and some non-union people were doing the job. And uh, they had a crane over the construction site. During the middle of the night, the train got somehow damaged <laughs> and fell down over it. And so in retaliation, although I'm not sure they ever found out who did it, um, somebody drove by um, within 15 minutes of a, a meeting, too. So it was pretty lucky. 15 minutes after the meeting ended, I think it was the meeting ended at 8.30 or 7.30. And someone threw two sticks of dynamite on the roof and blew a big hole in the roof right over here. So, and uh, I got pictures from the, that was in 19, March of 1970. Can you talk about your staff? 
of one? Yes. <laughs> Denny, his name's Denny Clark, and he went to AL class of 77. He's been working for me for like, let me think. I think he started in 2007 or 8. Okay. So well, He's always that, very helpful. Yeah. Um, we also had Cliff, who um, unfortunately passed away uh, late last year, but and he had to stop working three years before that. He worked for me for 33 years. That's our staff. <laughs> if you haven't been by Canesville Collectibles in a while, you certainly need to do so. This place is just plain fun. No other way to put it. And if you really want to have some fun, go ahead and try and stump Tim Behrens on some musical trivia. You know, I thought I had it. I rattled off an obscure song title from the 1940s. It was an oddball song my mother used to play on 78. Not only had he heard of it, he walked me right over to a copy of the record and the sheet music. Tim's an amazing guy, and this is truly a one-of-a-kind place. Hey, thanks for joining us. I'm Richard Warner, along with co-host Trudy Bino. And you've been listening to Accidentally Historic. Local history. Some good, some bad, and some very strange. The Historical Society of Pottawatomie County.